glad you're here tonight. As uh, Craig began, he talked about John Sawyer, and, and obviously we should all talk about John Sawyer. If you're new to Memorial and didn't know John, John was such a wonderful man. John and his wife Frances and their family has several members in this congregation, and John was an elder here for many years and, and was an elder when I was hired back 16 years ago. And what a great man. Sometimes in elders meetings, because in an elders meeting, sometimes you can have disagreements and everybody gets along, but sometimes you can go back and forth on an idea and, and elders and staff in the room. And John sometimes would watch it go this way, kind of like he was watching tennis, back and forth, back and forth. And then with his dry sense of humor, would just say a one-liner and everybody would fall out of their chairs. He was the master of that, and we will certainly miss John and already miss Francis, but he was ready. He was ready to be with God, and we are thankful that his, his desire was granted, but we still miss him and know that his family does too. We are so appreciative to what he has meant, and even for those of you who didn't know John or his wife Francis, we, they are some of the shoulders that we stand upon as a congregation. We continue tonight as we talk about glimpses of God on TV. And what I chose tonight is not a sitcom, and it's not a specific show, and some of you already have bulletins or e-book, have been asked about it today. Tonight what we're talking about is something that we all watch in one way or another sometimes, and that is the news. And so tonight on our screen, there's Connie Chung over here in the bottom left, and our own uh, Greg Hurst who uh, now has moved on to Memphis but was a deacon here for, for several years and we're all still sad that he's gone and I decided I'd never watch the news again after he left. And Lester Holt in the middle who actually is a member of the Manhattan Church of Christ and then uh, Walter Cronkite. And for those of you old enough to know, for years Walter Cronkite was the guy and back when folks only had three channels there was really only one news station that everybody watched. And at the end of the evening news or the world news, every time he would say, and that's the way it is, June 4th, 2022. He never said June 4th, 2022 because he died a long time ago. But every night, that's what he would say, and that's the way it is. And people would quote that. Well, the news can be kind of interesting. It can be kind of fun, but also the news can be really scary. I don't always like to watch the news, and it seems like you can't get away from the news these days. It's everywhere. You know, it's on your, if you have Facebook, it's on your Facebook feed. You know, it's everywhere you go. You can find it in one place or another. Until finally, at some point in my life, I figured out, and I don't watch much news on TV anymore, but I did figure out at one point that the weather came on at 1016. And so I could just turn over at 1016 and see the weather and not have to see all the other things that had happened in the world or that we speculated about. It's interesting that Ted Turner, who was one of the most powerful men in the world who started Cable News Network, CNN, one time said, we are the most powerful people in the world because we control the world by what we report, which there is some kind of truth to that sometimes as well. Well, we go back to the Old Testament, and current events led Habakkuk to God for answers. Habakkuk was God's prophet. Habakkuk looked around at the world that was around him and saw it was a mess. It was chaos. It was awful. What he saw, not just from the outside and what he saw in other places was bad, but what he saw at home in Israel was really bad. And he saw people that didn't love God and people that didn't want to follow God and people that were against God. And he saw these armies all around him and, and they were in possible invading armies. And, and it was all really scary to Habakkuk. 
He didn't like what he saw. He didn't like the things that were going on. Let me say this as we begin this lesson tonight, that the United States is not Israel, okay? First of all, the, we, the kingdom of God, we are the Israel. We are as the church or as God's people, not the United States. But at the same time, some things that we correlate to what's going on in the world, we say, boy, I see some similarities to some of those things. So in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he cries out to the Lord. And this is his prayer. Remember this morning we talked about laments. This is a prayer of Habakkuk. He's frustrated. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteousness so that justice is perverted. Well, it's almost like you could take that statement and he could have said it today, you know? It's almost like that could have been said in 2022. And this is, was said hundreds of years before Jesus lived on earth. Violence, injustice, destruction, strife, conflict, all of those words. So have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like Habakkuk? Yep. Those of you who fill in the blank, I bet you didn't put yep, right? But yep. Felt that. Frustration. Why is there so much conflict in the world? And the conflict isn't just in Ukraine and Russia. That's not just where it is. And of course, we could talk about other places there are wars because there are other wars going on in the world that we sometimes don't remember, like in Yemen or in Eritrea and Ethiopia and in Congo and several other places and all kinds of skirmishes going on, not to count all just the crazy violence that goes on in the world. Every week, there's some kind of mass shooting, it seems like, right? This past week, it was Tulsa, it was Uvalde before that, and, and, and Buffalo, and this is the world we live in, California. This is the world we live in, and of course now, because we have so much news, we know about all of them in detail. When used to, we didn't know all the details. And so you yourself, just like me, may cry out sometimes, why is there so much violence why is there so much destruction? Why is there so much strife? Why do all of these things exist? Why? Do we have to have it this way, Lord? Lord, do something about this. Bring peace, peace on earth. So God listens to Habakkuk here. And God gave a peek into the future to Habakkuk. Now, if I'm Habakkuk, I'm thinking, all right, this is good. God is going to give me a little peek. I'm going to get to know, after all, I'm a prophet, and that's the job of a prophet, to know what the future is going to be like, right? And so you think, well, that's going to be really good. Well, maybe it's better if we don't always know the future, right? We might sleep better if we don't always know what's coming around the corner because then we would worry about whatever's coming around the corner. And so, in the Old Testament, often God would talk about great things that were going to happen, like Isaiah, and you have those great 
those great prophecies that talk about a baby being born in Bethlehem and you hear about Jesus and you hear about redemption and you hear about hope and we get to the New Testament and we hear about those things that are far off or at least seem far off, things like Jesus is coming soon and Jesus is coming back and we're excited about those things and we hear about those things far off. But what God talks to Habakkuk about is not about what's far off but about what's near, what's close what's coming in his life. And so in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, this is what God says. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians. Those are the bad guys. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and they promote their own, or, uh, own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and they scoff at rulers. Now understand, this is a prophecy for Israel. This is not a prophecy for the United States, as sometimes we might want to quickly jump there. It's for Israel in their time. At the same time, we also see that we live in a world that has a lot of problems and a lot of issues. And sometimes we even say to God that prayer, how long, Lord? Jesus, come quickly. How long, Lord? And so what God is doing here is God was going to use Babylon to judge Israel. Because of Israel's sins, God says, I'm going to use the enemy in order to teach you a lesson. Wow. I'm going to use the enemy to plunder you so that you will reach back and reach out and reach up to me. It is interesting that people in the midst of crisis in, or crises in those moments is when we often reach to God not when everything is good and going our way. It's in the middle of a flood like Harvey that all at once people reach out to God. It's in the middle of a bombing raid in Ukraine that pre people reach out to God. It's in the midst of us having a, a heartache in our families that we reach out to God. And often the rest of the time he's on the back burner somewhere and we will use God if we need God. The other day, I was, I was watching the old show, and, and I said this to someone, um, one day at a time. I had to sing the song in my head to remember the name of the show. Some of you remember that old show, One Day at a Time, with Bonnie Franklin, was that her name? Valerie Bertinello, you some of the, I don't remember her sister's name. But anyway, on that show, the mother, Bonnie Franklin, has a heart attack. And it was, the show was made in the 70s. It could have been our show tonight. It was made in the 70s, and they have, they have a... a a guy in the building who's kind of the fix-it man for everything who considers himself part of their family and they all the the girls and and this guy Dwayne Schneider's his name they go to the hospital and they sit there in the hospital while Bonnie Franklin is in the room and they don't know if she will live or die and so Schneider prays to God and he says something very similar to this dear God this is Dwayne Schneider down here and I want to introduce you to these girls here and he said, uh, it's been a long time since I've talked to you, 
No, well, it wasn't that long ago, back when I had the blowout on the freeway and everything went crazy. Yeah, we talked back then. But here I am talking to you again. And so he prays for her to get well, and she does get well, and everything is wonderful. Well, first of all, I'm glad that he prayed, and I'm glad that they displayed that on television, that he was praying to God. But it's also a very interesting way that a lot of people look at God, isn't it? Only when I have a problem do I talk to you. Only when things are going rough do I need you. I don't need you on good days. I don't need you on happy days. I just, oh, happy days, that's another one. I just need you. <laughs> oh, I'm going to crack myself up. <laughs> Got to bring it back together. So I only need you when things are difficult, not when things are good. So God would use Babylon to judge Israel, and finally maybe Israel would come back to God. Well, Habakkuk could have fallen apart. Habakkuk could have said, oh, no, everything's going to be terrible. God, why are you doing this to us? I mean, I'm part of Israel. Why are you doing this, God? Now, do you know what this means for me? Not just what does it mean for the nation, what does it mean for God? Do you realize, and Habakkuk could have just said, I quit, I give up. Because understand, there would be consequences for everybody. There would be consequences uh, for them that would be financial and social and about every other way. I mean, financial, you can imagine it's going to mean that people are going to need food and people aren't going to have jobs and, and things are going to be expensive and people are going to be running for their lives and groups that meet together even like this don't meet together anymore because people are, are running for their lives. And life would be very difficult. It would have been easy for, for Habakkuk to have just given up like a lot of people give up when the, when the going gets tough, lots of people quit and say, well, God must not be real because this or that happened. God must not be real because I lost my job. God must not be real because my spouse passed away. God must not be real because whatever it may be. Or if that's who God is, and I don't want to serve a God like that. People say this kind of thing all the time. It seems like that is the most popular thing for Hollywood people to say that don't follow God. Well, if God is going to be like that, well, I'm glad that you make the rules. So Habakkuk declared that he would stand, that he would not give in, he would not give up. And Habakkuk 2, verse 1, you can read that as he starts into that. One thing that we have to remember is everything that happens in the world is not about me. Sometimes I feel like it's all about me. But sometimes just the con it's just the consequences of being alive in the place you're in at that moment. So it's not God is punishing you because of whatever's happened. And so, so gas costs a lot because of you. God's not trying to punish you. It's just because of the time we live in and the place we live in. And it's not because we've sinned and it's not because God doesn't love us. He does love us. And as he also says, as Jesus said, it rains on the just and the unjust. And so there are, there are things that are good that come to good people and there are things that are bad that come to people because it's just the way it is. So Habakkuk could have given up, but what you already know, I hope, because the book's in here, is that in the Bible is that Habakkuk doesn't give up. But he was told that future events would be intense to say the least. So we get to Habakkuk 3, verses 16 through 19. 
I heard, oh, this is a powerful passage. You need to read it all, but it wouldn't all go on the screen. I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. This is when he sees and knows that these armies are coming. He says, and my heart quivered and my heart pounded and decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines so the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. I love this passage of scripture for so many reasons. First of all, we sang it tonight and it was fun. Isn't it fun to sing? We're all in here and, and, and we sing and it's a great sound in here with everybody. But if we were just gathering after a tragedy, it might not sound as joyful because of the way our hearts would be. And, and some of that is understood, obviously. But this is Habakkuk saying, I'll wait. It's coming at us. I'm going to hunker down, but I'm going to be okay. I will not give in. This is his way of saying, if the stock market goes kaput, I will be faithful. If I lose my job, if Social Security goes away, I will be faithful. If I lose everything I have, if I lose my, my car and my other car and my house and everything else, I will be faithful. I will not give in. But instead, the opposite. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Not because he's going to be throwing a party. It's not that kind of joy. But knowing in his heart that he is right with God and that in the end, everything is going to be okay. You notice he says that I'll wait for the destruction of Babylon. But right now, Babylon's winning. The sovereign Lord is my strength. The Lord is the one that I trust. I can get through anything with God. So whatever it is, if it's a physical ailment, if it's, a, if it's an economic issue, if it's a struggle inside our family with our spouse or our kids, the Lord is my sovereign strength. I will not give up. I will follow God whatever it takes. And that is not something that is decided when this necessarily when the storm clouds are already out there. You decide that when the sky is sunny. I will be faithful to God. You start planning now in order to go through whatever it is. One of the things that I found, I found interesting, and probably some of you have read about various people who were in concentration camps during World War II, both Jews and Christians, and one of the things that many of them talked about that kept them sane was the scripture that they had memorized when everything was going great in Germany and Poland and other, other countries in Europe. And now that they're in the concentration camp and have no food and are being mistreated, 
what they were saying over and over in their head were the scriptures that they had remembered. Now, maybe you're great at memorizing scripture, and I hope you are. And if you're not, I pray at least you memorize songs or make up a few words along the way like I do. But those things can take us through the dark days and through the difficult times. And when we determine now that God is my strength, and so whatever comes my way, I will be able to stand. So this is my question for us tonight. Will God be my rock, even in the midst of my trials? Will God be my rock? Will I go to Him for power? Whenever I'm in the midst of the storm, whenever it seems like the marriage isn't what it's supposed to be, the kids aren't doing what they're supposed to, the economy's crazy, the world is so crazy, and I can't control any of it. Well, I remember what I can control is where I stand. That I stand on the rock that is known as, as God. Do I stand with Him? Maybe tonight you're ready to be baptized into Jesus. Maybe you need prayers. We want to help you however we can. Come as we stand and sing.